Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Once again, this is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. Thanks for joining us for week four of Nintendo Month 15. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Yeah, this is our fourth week of Nintendo Month 2015. And it's actually not the last. (laughs) Yeah, typically that would mean it was our final episode. But fear not, we have another week in the month of November. So that means even more incredible Nintendo music. The focus of today's episode is on legend Nintendo video game composer and sound designer, Kazumi Totaka. This is going to be so fun. I know Will has been looking forward to this for a long time. I think at least a year ago, you were like, uh, Carl, next Nintendo month, we got to do a Tataka episode. So that's one we've been stockpiling for a long time. And without giving anything away, I'll give you a little clue, a little hint for next week. Next week, there's going to be one Kazumi Tataka track in the playlist. So that's all I'm going to say about next week's topic. But today, we're going to be focusing on the entire career of Nintendo video game composer Kazumi Tataka, one of the most unique composers in all video game music. I got to say, He's one of those guys that when you hear his music, even if it's not confirmed, it's so clear that it's him. He has such a unique style. Very quirky and silly and cute, I would say. Well, yeah, yeah, that and also uh, an incredible love of the spirit of Nintendo and just an incredible melodic gift he has. Uh, And it really is unimpeded by time or era or project. You know, he always seems to be able to tap into this really universal kind of musical aesthetic. Uh, What we played in with was the Wii Shop channel music. I mean, we probably didn't even have to mention that. It's just so (laughs) iconic. But I really believe that's one of the best pieces of music he's ever written. And it is worth noting, um, Kazumi Tataka was charged with writing most of what you hear on the Wii as far as music, all the system music. Uh, We're going to get to more of it later. And also, he, he was responsible for the music for Wii Sports. And in general, a lot of things that kind of go unsung. I mean, some of those things were so popular and and just kind of overplayed that people don't really think about him to this day. But some wonderful work he did on the Wii. Well, what I love is just that he got that opportunity because I think he was always one of kind of like Nintendo's most underrated composers. And it never seemed like he got the opportunity to do, you know, really massive core projects. Um, uh, But what's so great about this is he almost got to be kind of like the Hirokazu Tanaka or the Koji Kondo of the Wii era because his music was around so much of the sort of core experiences of that system. Um, And I think it's just this wonderful opportunity to showcase his specific gift. Absolutely. So let's start from the beginning. We're going to go chronologically for the most part here. Um, One of the first things he ever did, it was a Game Boy game called X. And we're going to take a listen to a track. This is probably the most well-known track. I mean, that's you know not saying a lot from this game. <laughs> S- something about this, I think this was maybe featured in, in a Smash Brothers game. You know, that's what's so crazy is there's so many tracks in these Smash Brothers games, a lot of them from these really obscure Nintendo titles. Right. You know, I think about Shin Onigashima, you know, the main theme of that was actually featured in, I think, was Brawl, maybe. Uh, So, yeah, this was featured as a remix. Let's take a listen to Tunnel Scene from X, composed by Kazumi Tataka.
You guys are listening to Tunnel Scene from X for the Game Boy, composed by legendary composer Kazumi Tataka. Uh, one of the first things he ever did, I believe this game came out in 1992. Will, what are your thoughts on this track, Tunnel Scene? It's out there. Well, I think this just really displays his incredible imagination. Uh, I think that's probably the, the one thing that is sort of a linkage between all of his music because he is very versatile and to me I see him as sort of a a servant of the game you know his music sometimes is very quirky or odd or strange but it's always at the service of the experience um, and I, I find that to be a really humble thing that I admire so much and it's something I tend to see more in uh, Japanese video game composers I don't know if it's just sort of a cultural difference but specifically at Nintendo there's a few composers that I that really kind of come to mind what I love about this piece though is it doesn't sound like any of the other pieces that we're going to play today. It's so incredibly unique. I mean, you can hear some of his jazz influences, but in general, this piece is just yeah. pulling at the seams of kind of conventional harmony. I mean, That's a great it's, point. it's just so busy, particularly for the Game Boy. I mean, this just blows me away. The, the type of chord changes are not only very unexpected, but surprisingly lush and complicated. I mean, I think it's a really he beautiful piece. He has a piece. lot of parallel motion with like almost like these like major seventh chords that are moving in parallel it's a very jazzy it kind of reminds me of modern film music it's really cool yeah i completely agree about um the the jazz thing i really hear a lot of almost kind of like modal jazz or yeah. like polytonal aspects of jazz music the more kind of modern artsy later half of the 20th century sort of jazz sound but really i love hip. it and i think that's really a big influence of his music is the whole jazz idiom in general i think so too well now we're going to move on to another uh game that he worked on the same year so 1992 was the first year he was active um in video game music and now we're going to move to the super nintendo to mario paint such a popular title you know this game has lived on through pop culture, you still you'll still see new YouTube videos of people making uh, making stuff with this. Uh, so there's just you well, know, and I I do have to say uh, is when it comes to the Mario series, my favorite, and this might be surprising to some people, but my favorite composer outside of Koji Kondo is Kazumi Tataka. And I think it's important to mention he never really did any you know mainline Mario titles. But that being said, the music that he composed for this series, um, the other one that I'm really coming to mind is Super Mario Land 2. Sure. I mean, the melodies in Mario Paint that he wrote, I think, are just incredible. They're very good. And it's also worth noting that Mario Paint had a music creator feature. So that's kind of some of the things you hear a lot nowadays. I know people that do remixes using the Mario Paint music creator. Uh, so right. with that said, let's take a listen. We're going to play a couple tracks from Mario Paint today. We're going to start off playing the title theme, once again composed by Kazumi Tataka.
That's a very impressive piece of video game music. Uh, you might not realize that at first, and I know Will has a lot to say about this. This is the title-themed Mario Paint. Off the bat, something you guys probably notice is there's no accompaniment to this. It's All it is is a melody, and what it's able to convey, you're able to hear the chord progression underneath this, you know, in your head, this wonderful melody. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, why this is such a unique piece of video game music. Well, I, I really don't mean to use hyperbole, but I, I really would describe this as brilliant. Um, on multiple levels, I love this melody because the contours of it give you a clear picture in your mind's ear, so to speak, <laughs> of what the harmonies are. It's a right. very evocative melody that tends to outline really important notes in the chord progression. Um, so I think that, for one, is Im impressive in and of itself, and it reminds me of sort of the history of great video game music. But the other thing why I love this choice so much is it's perfect for the concept of Mario Paint. This game is all about about sparking the gamer's own creativity and imagination. What's great about this piece, it only gives you the barest amount and it forces you to use your imagination in order to realize the piece in your head. To me, it's like a perfect representation of what this game is all about. It's about yeah. you and your own creativity. I just love it so much. It's so good. Really, all you're hearing is a melody in a very primitive uh, kind of what would be considered a hi-hat, but it's really almost just sounds like a noise channel even, a very simple hi-hat The other pattern. thing that I want to say is it's not just a good melody, but it's a great Mario melody. I mean, one of the reasons I love Kazumi Tataka is I feel like... He's also one of the only composers, other than Koji Kondo, that's able to come close to the spirit of Mario music. I mean, a lot of times I think he's getting darn close melodically and harmonically yeah. as well. But he definitely has his own distinct style. But I feel like the spirit and the earnestness of his composition is much closer to Koji Kondo than well, anything. Well, it's actually a similar style to the game we're going to go to next before we play this next track here. It's kind of that ragtime show tune quality. Uh, it feels right. so comfortable for Mario. But it's slightly different than, you know, the way that Koji Kondo was able to explore that. So now we're going to move on to another track from Mario Paint. This is a really interesting one. I, I really like this. I've liked this track for years. This is Fly Swatter Level 2. starting to hear the very unique sense of humor of Kazumi Tataka here. This is Fly Swatter Level 2 from Mario Paint. It's so silly. And Kazumi Tataka is not afraid to get weird, to get goofy in his music. And a lot of the titles that he ended up working on, I think eventually got to a point where they brought him in because he was the person to get that style. If they wanted something right. silly, you bring in Kazumi Tataka. That's not all he can do. 
But that's definitely something. It's also important to mention that in addition to being a composer, Kazumi Tataka is also a sound director who worked on many, many Nintendo titles. And he's also famously known as the voice of Yoshi. So that's true. Know, he has a huge influence on plenty of Nintendo games. But I completely agree with you, Carl. He has a very unique kind of quirky sound. I, If I can theorize for a bit, I really think one of the reasons he kind of has that style and aesthetic is uh, this game was actually marked... As an interesting collaboration he had with a composer, Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. And I think of Hirokazu Tanaka as kind of having that quirky aesthetic, particularly um, towards his later years at Nintendo, when I think of something like Earthbound being very quirky. And I th- I believe that Hip Tanaka was kind of the sound director on yeah, this game. Yeah, that's true. And also, speaking of quirky, all three... Um people that were in charge of the audio for this game are are known for their quirky music. The other person in charge of the audio was Ryoji Yashitomi, you know, who did the Wario Land and the WarioWare right. games. So all three of these guys are just love, you know, goofiness in, in brotherhood video game music. A brotherhood of strange Absolutely. of strange stuff. But what I love about Tataka is that's not really his only shtick. You know, he also writes wonderful no. melodies. The Mario Paint game, I, to me, it's like <laughs> it's the strangest Nintendo game because there's at least three or four fantastic melodies that are kind of just buried in this package that you would never really notice it. And particularly, there's a lot of pieces that sound a little jarring or have strange instrumentation. But when you actually focus on the quality of the melodies, it's I don't know. It's so staggering to me. This game and Kazumi Tataka in general has always been one of my biggest influences for doing any of our Mario tribute albums. I'm excited about this episode because Kazumi Tataka is just behind Koji Kondo as far as representing what is so unique about Nintendo composers, and for me, what what such a big thing is here is how simple his music is for the most part. You know, another thing that Kazumi Tataka was is known for, and why he's brought into all these series, is to make very simple, pleasing, relaxing music that fits really well in the background that you can listen to for hours on end, and you don't get sick of it. Uh, so that's something that I think he he shares that gift with Koji Kondo, and that's something that you just don't hear. Um, you know, from a lot of other composers. It's, it's, it's definitely a gift. So now we're going to move on to maybe one of the best things that Kazumi Tataka ever did. It was still in this first year, um, you know, on the scene, 1992. This is Super Mario Land 2 for the Game Boy as well. We're going to play two tracks. We're going to start off with pretty much the main theme of the game, similar to other Mario games. He would take this theme and do a bunch of different variations with it. This is the athletic variation from Super Mario Land 2.
that puts a smile on my face. Hopefully everyone listening as well. This is Athletic from Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins for the Game Boy, composed by Kazumi Tataka. Such an exciting entry in the Mario series. Really musically, you know, you know, a lot of times when you have handheld games, it kind of feels like the quality of the game and a lot, sometimes music is definitely less than the console entries. But what I think is so exciting about Mario Land 2 is he's almost going further into some of the inspirations of Koji Kondo as far as ragtime you know, things like Scott Joplin. So in Dixie some ways Land it feels like even more, more authentic uh, as far as, you know, these other outside genres than what had Koji had done at this point. So it's a wonderful entry in the series. Well, well to me, it's not so much about authenticity, but it's just about finding his own personal kind of way of making it ring true and not feel like sort of a cheap imitation. Mm-hmm. You know, he finds his way into that harmonic landscape through kind of uh, you know a different take on it than Koji Kondo had but the quality of these melodies are just I don't know they're they're infuriating honestly it's they're so super great. good and I can't tell you how many times because you know we've I've written a lot of kind of pieces that are trying to sound like in the spirit of Super Mario and Carl, I can't tell you how many times I've brushed up against this piece of music, mm. particularly like so many melodies that I've written. I'm just I like, can hear that, oh, yeah. nope, it's too much like this. Nope. It's too, like I at least five specific well, instances well, I can think of of feeling like, oh, gosh, that Mario Land 2 melody is so good. One thing about Mario Land 2 is although the mel- there's some really beautiful melodies, I, I think that's it's kind of sparse as far as that. I mean, most of it is kind of um, variations of this and then a lot of really goofy stuff. But every, you know, every so often there's like maybe three or four examples of like a really beautiful melody. Uh, It still has this coat of paint of this kind of quirkiness, almost more quirky than Koji Kondo had done to this point. You know what I mean? Like this track is a good example. It's so spirited and just full of energy. And although it's beautiful, it has such a sense of humor. And I think that's the combination that you get in this soundtrack. Would you agree with that? Well, I really think Kazumi Tataka was sort of looking at it like being a cartoon composer. Yeah, you know, like, absolutely. Mario is a, a video game icon, and he's some he's a character like Mickey Mouse or Bugs Bunny. And I see Kazumi Tataka is kind of approaching it almost like scoring a Looney Tunes cartoon. Where well, it, needs it to does be... remind me of '90s Saturday morning cartoons, even things like Ducktales. It kind of has that style to it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say. I mean, we've talked about the Tiny Toons theme song by Bruce Broughton. Um, but I, I, I think I mentioned that because I think um, both of these composers are sort of evoking a similar era, I guess I would say, um, harmonically, uh, that I think fits alongside with entertainment music you know music for children and for kind of the masses and i think i don't know it's perfect for mario i love the melody i love the game one of the things i love about the game in addition to all the melodic writing i think all the functional music is particularly good there's Mm -hmm. this map theme that's sort of like a in three four and it's like a jazz waltz that's great and that to me is like that captures the spirit of like the Super Mario map music um, without really directly copying anything that Koji did in those games. I don't know. He's really well, a we've mentioned composer. it, but this game also has really good examples of short loops, like really catchy, just like jam-packed short loops that are maybe only five or six seconds. Uh, but again, you're not going to get sick of it. And that is something you hear a lot more in Game Boy music. But yeah, this this guy really, he, he knows how to make simple loop-based video game music that you can listen to for a long time. Well, guys, this might be a record. It might be the earliest point in an episode when we're moving on to this week's... 
track of the week. Uh, also from Mario Land 2, and you know we wanted to keep the playlist chronological, and you really, it's tough to beat this. This is the staff role from Mario Land 2, composed by Kazumi Tataka. This is a beautiful piece of music. Enjoy. This is Unbeatable, folks. You guys are listening to the staff role from Super Mario Land 2, composed by Kazumi Tataka. Can we it's just keep just listening so to this? Much oh my fun. god! Uh, yeah, I could listen to this all day. You know, it's going going to that style Will was mentioning, the show tune style, kind of public domain, similar things that you hear actually on his Wii music. You know, we played in with the Wii Shop channel, and that's actually a similar era musically that he's going for there too. Obviously, it features more modern instruments, um, but there's something so confident about his writing. This part here, I'm a really big fan of that underneath chromatically crawling line that's going up and down. It's just very confident writing, especially we have to talk about Game Boy here. You know, when this track starts off, it's so primitive as far as how, how the technically how the sounds come across that some people might not notice just how beautiful that melody is. You really have to kind of give it a chance because it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I, I can't say enough about this staff role. It's my favorite thing that Kazumi Tataka has ever done. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's up there with some of Koji's best Mario melodies, classic, in my man. opinion. I love it so much. And the thing is, though, it isn't classic to me. I didn't grow up playing this game, and I grew up adoring Mario It feels Mario like music. it's always existed, though. It feels like I've heard it my whole life, Yeah, but, I but it's I I will humble myself. Like, this is every bit as good. I... I adore it so much. This is another huge influence for me compositionally, but it's like, I don't know, there's certain composers and certain pieces where, to me, when I listen to it, it's like, this is exactly what I want and, like, nothing more. Like, if I can write music like this, I'd be a happy guy, you know? <laughs> like, and to me, this is a piece like that where, honestly, I, and I think part of it makes me feel like I'm wired wrong because I listen to a piece like this that I think most people would just kind of look at it on a broad level and say, oh, you know, it's fun and live. Lively. Exactly. But I get like really emotionally moved by stuff like this. This kind of <laughs> harmony that feels kind of early 20th century ragtime Dixieland early jazz music. To me, the harmony in it is so and I've talked about this with ragtime before, but it's so earnest and it's so and with ragtime specifically kind of positive in the face of discrimination in the face of oppression that I don't know, it almost makes me want to cry when I listen to it. Like there's this like 
I don't know. It's so uplifting. I just adore it. <laughs> well, guys, you should tweet at us. If any of you share Will's uh, feelings towards this music, if this makes you kind of conjure up those emotions, let us know. I think those it's just harmonies, so man. wonderful. Those harmonies. You know, whatever I, emotion ugh. it makes you feel, whether it's even just making you smile, which all of this music today is definitely doing for me. So we're hoping, if not, if anything else, this episode is, you know, making you guys smile this well, And I mean, I really think you can break things down musically. I mean, there's so many great things about this melody, the reliance on the sixth scale degree some of the chromatic moments, the chord progressions mm-hmm. themselves. But at the end of the day, it just comes across as effortless. And to me, the emotions that it communicates so much to fun. the listener are perfect for the experience. Well, the next game we're going to move on to was a very... Uh, close contender for track of the week at least for me it's some of my favorite music kazumi Tataka has done it's so different really from some of the stuff he's done uh he will go back to the style later on in the wii without giving anything away but we're gonna move on to wave race 64 obviously for the nintendo 64 and he did a couple of pretty big titles on this system this being one of them i know a lot of people when they think of the n64 this is one of the classic games it came out in 1996 um, and we're going to play two tracks today. We're going to start off with the main title. This is a wonderful melody from Wave Race 64. This is so great. You guys are listening to the main title from Wave Race 64, composed by Kazumi Tataka. For me, it's quintessential for Nintendo 64 music. It reminds me a lot of something like Mario Kart 64. The use of jazz, jazz fusion, some of those uh, slash chords, but the melody is so pleasing. And it is um, something that you don't hear outside of video game music because it's over the top. It's going 100% for this type of an emotion. And most other styles of music would not think this is cool enough. And they just, they wouldn't be comfortable going this far. And Kazumi Tataka is not um, shying away from going, you know, this far. Some people would call it cheesy. I think it's so much fun. Well, there's something about video game music on the Nintendo 64. It almost avoids sounding cheesy. I can't really explain how, but somehow the, the sound of the synths, it just, it sounds more classic to me than anything. But honestly, you're right. Like a piece like this, it's able to kind of sound almost like, Maybe like the theme song to Full House, where like we listen to that and think like, oh my gosh, does that really sound exactly. kind of cheesy? Um, but what I love about Nintendo 64 music, you really kind of throw all that context out the window and you're able to just focus on the quality of the music. And this is just a great melody. Honestly, my favorite thing about this is actually dun, 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 wonderful. Dun, 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 dun. I think it's a wonderful motif. And it's one of those things where it immediately sort of 
it it has this intriguing aspect about the music. I love pieces of music that start that way. Something in like the high register to sort of captivate your interest. I don't know. To me, like some of the biggest examples for me, like the Monkey Island theme. Well, it's always worth mentioning uh, games that came out in 96 that it actually is pretty important because this could very well be someone's first introduction to the sounds of the N64. You know, it's a game, might be the first game they're playing. You know, Mario 64, this, Pilot Wings. Those games were so important because if you're going from the SNES to this, the guitar sounds a little bit more authentic. And musically, it just feels a little bit more grown up than what you hear on the SNES. It does feel like authentic jazz fusion music. And it's a style from Kazumi Tataka that I just absolutely love. And I'm glad that he was able to come back to this in recent years. But we're going to play another track. This is my favorite from the game. Maybe my personal favorite uh, thing Kazumi Tataka has ever done. This is Dolphin Park from Wave Ray 64. Listening to Dolphin Park from Wave Race 64. Carl, I think I know why you love this one so much. I think it's because it really sounds a lot like sonic music from a compositional standpoint. I think you're absolutely right. It's it's absolutely uh, sonic-y. One thing that I love so much about this is the chords are very out there. They're actually not simple at all. A lot of really kind of complex jazzy slash chords that he's using here but the melody could not be more simple and happy i kind of think that's why it reminds me of sonic because mm-hmm. when i think of nintendo i think of simplicity all around the board particularly with chords um and that's one of the things that's so great about koji kondo but yes sonic really can have those beautiful out there uh, jazz chords that the end, you know, the end of that melody is so reminiscent of um, a lot of other music. Da, 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 da. It's a very kind of popular way to end a melody, but he kind of owns it here. It's almost my favorite example of of that. Oh, I, I could just listen to that track all day. That really puts a smile on my face. Now we're going to move on to another N64 title that he worked on. This is the next year, 1997. We're going to play two tracks as well. We've been playing two tracks from almost everything today. I will say, this soundtrack is possibly one of his greatest contributions just to video games. It's something that made a very significant mm-hmm. impact. This is Yoshi's story for the Nintendo 64. Yeah, and I will say the soundtrack is definitely the most significant thing, um, you know, part of this game for sure. Well, right, yeah. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the game, but I feel like the the game, the sound, and the music really kind of reshaped who Yoshi was as a character. This was mm-hmm. the first game to utilize, you know, his voice and kind of Yoshi with that kind of voice that he still shares to this day. Well, and it's fair to say that this theme that we're about to play 
it, most people now would say this is the Yoshi theme. You right. know, he really much he really wrote the Yoshi theme. So we're gonna and play. Again, dude, it's so crazy. This is another example of Kazumi Taco working on a game where it's like your general impression from the music is that it's kind of weird and strange, but mm-hmm. buried in all that are these brilliant melodies. It's similar to Mario Paint and honestly the Animal Crossing games to me. Yeah. And it definitely is buried. It's buried in there because the majority of the stuff is just so silly. We're going to take a listen to On the Beach from Yoshi's Story. It's just so <laughs> classic. It's one of those melodies that I can't imagine it not existing. But you kind of have to pinch yourself because, you know, you play games like Smash Brothers and things. Um, I didn't grow up with this game. I played it on the emulator. I was not happy with it, and a lot of people weren't. But it's one of those melodies that, oh, this this was always there, right? No, it came, you know, the first time you hear it is on the N64. It's just, I think it's a wonderful Nintendo melody. Well, and it's another one of those moments of, like, you can just condense it to... And it's and so solid. You, you already have enough, you know, like that's just an iconic thing to recognize that character. And that's why I think this is his greatest contribution because long after any of these games, that's going to still be there, you know? Now, Will, something I always notice about that melody, why it characterizes Yoshi so good, is the jumps that the melody makes. We think of Yoshi as this great jumper. I think the melody sure. jumps in a way that does remind me of Yoshi's movement. Now, maybe that's just because I always link it to right. that. Right. And well, there's also sort of like a klutzy cuteness to yes. his character, particularly that's characterized in this game where he's a a little bit like a baby kind of how he sounds and behaves and so some of the quirkiness of where it's just kind yeah. of ambiguous odd pitches it's a little bit like klutzy well the only thing i will say and it's no fault from kazumi Tataka, but unfortunately because the music is so silly and at some points jarring purposefully because the game isn't that great <laughs> it, it's not helping things in this case if the game was wonderful this would be perfect but the thing is like when you have um the game itself you know the controls pretty clunky and the design you know not that inspired and music that's also kind of cutesy and uh, a little bit you know silly that kind of is what leads the whole package to just feeling like a disappointment but when you're just listening to the music you kind of like you said you kind of have to dig deeper and there's some awesome stuff here i think the thing is uh, he i sort of look at him a little bit as kind of like a sound innovator because he does some things particularly on the nintendo 64 that are very unique sure in addition to doing the voice of yoshi which is you know all him there's all these interesting voice samples that are used all over this game and it's his yeah. voice kind of pitched up and down and the music it sounds kind of 
kind of like yeah. the Yoshis are singing. And it's this technique that he goes back to in the Animal Crossing games of like intentional out of tune singing. Sure. It sounds like a little kid is singing. You know, there's stuff in Animal Crossing where there's like whistling and stuff. Yep, we have an example of that such technique um, coming up in today's episode. I gotta say, it's to me that there's something really brilliant about that because it's showing this like self-awareness. And again, it goes back to him being a humble composer because he writes these beautiful melodies, but he's not always presenting them in sort of like a self-serving way. He usually is almost like at the expense of his own melodies, focusing on finding some quirky new aesthetic. That's a great point. And also this point in the episode is probably a good time to talk about this. I'm sure some of you have been waiting. We have to mention Tataka's song. Now, a lot of you know, it's such a, just an infamous part of video game folklore. But if anyone doesn't know, Tataka's song is a short little tune. It's about, I think it's only 19 notes that he hid in pretty much every game he ever worked on. It's even in some games that he didn't work on. It was first discovered in Mario Paint, but eventually it was later discovered as having an origin in the game X, which we started today's episode episode with um, but here are all the uses of it that have been found so far in video game music it's in animal crossing it's in animal crossing city folk animal crossing uh, the e-reader cards uh, two other animal crossing games the legend of zelda Link's awakening a, a japanese game called kiro no tami uh, luigi's mansion mario artist mario kart 8 mario paint pikmin 2 mario land 2 virtual boy wario land x escape Yoshi Touch and Go, Yoshi's New Story, and Yoshi's Story. Those are all the games that feature Tataka's song, um, which is just such a cool little thing that it's now become this, uh, I don't know, this piece of folklore. It's wonderful. Well, and there was a really interesting theory I read about Wii Sports that... Um the pitches of the tennis balls uh-huh. when you play them in succession that that plays Tataka's song but it's a little bit unconfirmed because some people were saying since those pitches are sort of atonal mm-hmm. your brain can sort of trick you into hearing that but I thought that was a it's really cool. interesting theory it's where cool I could theory. see that being maybe an intentional thing well we're going to move on to one more track from Yoshi's Story this is a very interesting piece called Baby Bowser's Lullaby is so much fun. You guys are listening to Baby Bowser's Lullaby, composed by Kazumi Tataka from Yoshi's Story for the 64. Now, Will, if someone's not really familiar, not really sure why this is sounding familiar to them, do you want to give a little context of one of the nods, one of the pieces of music that he's nodding to here? 
Well, I, yeah, I think it can be said that there's some influence from uh, Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, just as far as from by the, Tchaikovsky, right? Yeah, the the sort of from the Nutcracker. Um, but that that sort of romantic, still tonal, but somewhat chromatic harmony with that that bell instrument that's supposed to sound like a celeste. You know, this piece is very kind of romantic, so you can you can really sort of hear some of that influence. But what I love about it, I don't know, this hands down to me, I think, is the best piece in the game. I, I absolutely adore the melody. I love the contours of everything. And I don't know the the way that he voices those chords in the celeste feels it's super legit. on the nose to the type of sound that he's going for. Um, but it's also I don't know it's super effective, very emotional, and just another example of selflessly serving the game. And hmm. here is another instance of a great melody. I mean, the I think the other thing I love is Bowser is a character who's had really a lot of themes there's not just one theme associated to him as a character mm -hmm. um, but I really find him to be one of the most compelling video game characters to write for because there's this sort of thing that you can't quite explain about him as a character that you really notice when you hear the music I well, think I think what what I think is it, it's a sense of humor and it's a little bit of this kind of devious quality but it's not over the top it's not too scary like honestly Bowser's not that scary he's kind kind of silly i mean you know you know mario just always beats him in every single game so at this point there is a sense of humor to that right what i love about this track maybe my favorite thing about it is just the idea that this is a theme for baby bowser because the celeste is an instrument that makes sense for something you'd sing to a baby as a lullaby but this is so dark and and it's perfect for a bad guy i think the thing is when i think of a Bowser theme. I think of Mario 64. Yeah, da da da. Yeah, ya, da da da. But what's interesting about this one is, is ya, da da. It still starts with a series of three notes, a leap up, and then just sort of a sort of kind of chromatic step down. I mean, I know that's probably overanalyzing it, but there's certain techniques <laughs> that a lot of these themes have in common to evoke the same character. I mean, one of my favorite is da na da da na da ya da da na 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 from 3D Super World. Mario 3D yeah. World, which also uses this kind of devious little chromatic. I just think it's interesting because he's not a character where there's kind of spelled out cliches as far as scoring music for him, but there is something that all of those themes have in common kind of under the hood. It's really good. Well, I'm excited to move on to a game that we've never featured, and this is actually part of um, a series of games that came out for the Nintendo 64 uh, DD, so obviously only in Japan here. And this game that we're going to play, you know, there, there were multiple versions of released. One of them, it's Mario Artist, by the way. So we had Mario Artist Polygon Studio, Mario Artist Paint Studio, and we're going to play a track from the third one, which is Mario Artist Talent Studio. This came out in 2000. And it really feels like, to me, like it's kind of, uh, you know, continuing the tradition of something like Mario Paint. So yeah, this is only released in Japan. A lot of people have probably never played this for the 64DD. But we're going to take a listen to an interesting and silly track called So Kawaii. <laughs>
This is so cool. Again, kind of going back to that little, the, you know, a little bit of the jazz fusion, the funkiness that we got in Wavery 64, and that we're going to hear more today. This is So Kawaii from Mario Artist Talent Studio. This one was composed by Kazumi Tataka. Um, considered as maybe the killer app for the 64DD. That's really a funny sentence, isn't it? The killer app for the 64DD. I don't know if there is such a thing. Um, yeah, so it stands for the disk, the disk drive. It was a magnetic disk drive peripheral that was only released in Japan. Well, to me, this is very indicative of one of his compositional traits, which is having some weird way of humanizing the melody. Here, it almost ends up sounding like a vocoder, like something like Daft Punk. Um, But again, it's that weird sort of sounding like a voice sample. I mean, again, I said in Animal Crossing, he does it a lot with this whistle. In Yoshi's story, it was kind of the sound of the Yoshis. But particularly by the time we get to the Nintendo 64, it seems that Kazumi Tata is really fascinated with finding new interesting ways of sort of humanizing these synth instruments in this kind of jazz fusion style of video game music. Sure. Now, now one thing, uh, we actually, we had a panel recently um, at Gamers Rhapsody about the history of video game music, and one of the things that we gave a little bit of shout-outs to is some of the, you know, the amount that of units that systems sold. And actually, I found something kind of funny about the, the disk drive. Well, knowing a rough idea of, you know, some of the units sold, like, for example, the Super Nintendo sold about 49 million units, and I think the NES was like 65 million units. Knowing that, how much do you think the Nintendo 64 DD sold. How many units do you think the 64 DD sold? I can't imagine a lot. 15,000. <laughs> it only sold 15,000. Well, I mean, that's more units than I could ever sell with a console that I would make. <laughs> that You should put that on the website for the DD. It's more units than I can sell. Uh, well, now we're going to move on to the next generation of Nintendo consoles. This is the GameCube a launch game, Luigi's Mansion. Now, some people were disappointed that there wasn't a Mario launch game. It was the first time in a long time for a console that there wasn't a Mario launch game. But I think other people were pleasantly surprised because Luigi's Mansion is a wonderful little game. It's a great game. It's a really clever game. Honestly, I think if you grew up playing like adventure games, Mm -hmm. I think you you owe it to yourself to play Luigi's Mansion. It's specifically Luigi's Mansion 2 Dark Moon on the 3DS. Oh, yeah. If you like adventure games, you owe it to yourself to check it out and i've always loved luigi as a character and i can't believe i forgot about it but yeah this is another example of that thing i was talking about with kazumi tataka in this game instead of whistling or some weird voice luigi actually sings Mm -hmm. through the music so while you're walking down a hallway luigi will go he'll do these little singing of charles who's yeah it's charles martinet doing the luigi voice singing pieces of the score so I'm I don't know. I would love to see an interview with it would probably Charles would be more accessible of like what the process was for this game and I imagine yeah. Tataka probably had to have those themes written almost before any of that was recorded. I wonder if we could ever get Charles on the on the old PCast. But anyway, we're going to only play one track today. Uh this is Mansion Dark Hallway from Luigi's Mansion composed by Kazumi Tataka.
Man, that is such a creepy piece of music. You guys are listening to Mansion Dark Hallway from Luigi's Mansion, composed by Kazumi Tataka. He was the right man for the job because there's a lot of sense of humor in this soundtrack, uh, and he's not afraid to get weird with it, but it's very fitting for this game. Uh, now, obviously, some of you probably know uh, the version of this so- song that Will was talking about that Luigi is singing the melody over. It's kind of a variation of this theme. Well, and what actually happens is the main theme of the game is And so what happens is the reason why this doesn't have any melody in it mm-hmm. is because, like I just said, depending on what's happening in the environment, the track of Luigi's singing sure. will be added on top of it. So they don't have the melody in the background texture, and they leave it for Luigi. And again, I think that's cool. talking about his humility. It's like, how is this theme presented to you in kind of a clumsy singing mm-hmm. by your main character but I have to say it's one of my favorite things about the Luigi's Mansion games it surprisingly humanizes him to a way that I just care about him and am attached to him more than I've ever been to like any other Nintendo character like I don't know the way that all the little details in the aesthetics of this game really make it so enjoyable to me and that musical example is just a microcosm of the little touches that they did to really make you fall in love with the character of Luigi it's so good well I know there are certain people that will be very excited that we're moving on to this next game this is Animal Crossing Uh, and this is again he's the perfect man for the job. Now, he did work on this game with some other composers as well, but this is a track that he composed. We're going to play two tracks from the first Animal Crossing game. And, you know, it's one of those things I mentioned where he's so good at writing simple, relaxing, good background video game music. So let's start off with the title screen from Animal Crossing for the GameCube, composed by Kazumi Tataka. Here we go. so wonderful again it's that great combination of using jazz and using a little bit of surprising chords but it's so pleasing and relaxing a lot less weird (laughs) than a lot of the music that he writes Uh, the Animal Crossing series is great music to have in the background if you're studying if you're working if you have some sort of task to do it's so relaxing and obviously it's worth mentioning that uh, he had help you know a lot of music for this series composed by people such as Kenta Nagata Toru Minigishi uh, Shinobu Tanaka and others but Will, what do you think about the title screen to Animal Crossing? It's absolutely a classic. It's sort of a more modern Nintendo classic, but it's such a good melody. It's so, I mean, the chords are so evocative. Honestly, this to me is the first example where it's like, this is a real precursor to all the things he did for the Wii, mm-hmm. all the different channel music. And honestly, also um, on the 3DS, like he wrote the, th- yeah. the Mii theme for there. And I believe the one that's used on the Wii U as well. You know, I think of him now doing a lot of that kind of background relaxing music, but 
I mean, those chords are just so luscious and tender, and it it completely establishes the tone of this game, which is Mm -hmm. at your own pace, you know, low stakes, really accessible, enjoyable for everyone, the epitome of family-friendly. Like, that is communicated so immediately in this Animal Crossing theme. It's just inviting. You know, it's asking you to, you know, sit down and have a bit of your time, and it's not that much of a pressure kind of (laughs) commitment kind of thing i don't know it's just so incredibly inviting it's very happy well again it's like the way that he uses themes is very much like a film composer because he doesn't usually present you sort of a definitive version that gives Mm -hmm. you everything you would want like here we got that we just get a little taste of that but that actually becomes a real prominent theme throughout the soundtrack oh yeah well it's also cool there's no full band here he doesn't bring the bass in and stuff he could but this is the only version we have you know that title screen Uh, We're going to play one more track from the first Animal Crossing. Super good. This is 7 a.m. guys are listening to 7 a.m. from Animal Crossing. This is one of the most relaxing tracks we've ever played on the podcast. I'm almost falling asleep in a good way. I should put this on later tonight. I'm having trouble sleeping using some of the melodic content that we heard in the title screen. So, so good. Oh my gosh. I really like the instrument choices too. You know, this kind of music, it, it helps because we've talked before about, you know, the GameCube era. Nintendo was really behind, you know, technically you're still having a lot of these general MIDI sounds. You know, the other systems were definitely you know, for the most part, a little bit more cutting edge. But when you have this kind of music, this is how I want to hear it presented, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just so nifty. I, I love <laughs> I love his melodies. I think he writes just some of the most to the point direct kind of melodies and they're they're done in such a selfless way. Um, I, it's so inspiring. I mean, so many of these melodies, I can't imagine writing them and just kind of dropping them in the background of these video game soundtracks. I mean, it's such a bold choice, but it's almost like when you go back and watch like Empire Strikes Back and notice that the first time that you actually hear Darth Vader's theme is not the Imperial March. It's a yeah. cue in like the first, you know, minute and a half of the movie just kind of quietly in the background score it's like those kind of choices where to introduce you know your best melody in kind of an unflattering sometimes way just to kind of have it floating around the head of your listeners it's such a confident choice but it's also a completely um humble choice and i just really admire those skills what's cool is pretty much he had almost every single year he was doing something up until this point so he took a little bit of break i don't know what he was up to but uh the next game isn't you know credited until 2005 
and it's for the DS, and it's Yoshi Touch and Go, a soundtrack that he worked on with some other composers. It looks like Asuka Oda and Toru Minigishi. Oh, interesting. Around the same time they did Twilight Princess. Interesting that they were also tasked with this game, which couldn't be more different. Uh, overall, the soundtrack is not super good. Yeah, um, Nintendo's kind of like, it's strange. It's almost like communism. You know, you don't r- rise yeah. through the ranks and, oh, now you're a great composer, so you only do this. It's like, yeah. nope, you can make the greatest soundtrack ever, and you're also working on Yoshi Touch and Go. <laughs> but see, that's one of the things that's so mysterious, is that's part of it, but also it's like, this is a soundtrack that's not that good. And, you know, it's like, that also doesn't help my opinion, you know, back in this time of someone like Asuka Oda, where it's like, oh, that composer just does kind of crappy music, which is not true. Uh, this is a track that I think is actually pretty dang good. It's one of the standouts, and I do remember it from playing the game. This is Flower Garden. Uh, it's I, I guess it is trying to capture some of the style that Koji established with his with his original Flower Garden, but let's just take a listen to this track from Yoshi Touch and Go, composed by Kazumi Tataka. You guys are listening to Flower Garden from Yoshi Touch and Go. Uh, I think this is composed by Kazumi Tataka. I hear his sense of humor on here. Will's also hearing, um, you know, some some similarities to some of the new Super Mario music by Asuka Oda. So it's possible that maybe this is a collaborative uh, piece of music. Really, anyone's guess. But yeah, this is from Touch and Go. What do you think? I think this completely characterizes <laughs> that incredibly <laughs> unique sensibility that he and a few of the other Nintendo composers have. You were talking earlier about that out of tune whistle. Here it is. That for whistle, you. it actually really reminds me of Mario Kart Double Dash. Um, yeah. Gosh, it's it's so much fun. I mean, again, it's like he completely changed the way that the character of Yoshi is viewed. For the better or for the worse, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it up to you guys to decide. But I mean, you think of something like Yoshi's Island really being the first time that Yoshi gets conscious, you know, scoring and kind of an aesthetic. And I mean, Koji Kondo's score couldn't be more cool. And, yeah. you know, it's like you don't really get this kind of clumsy sensibility. But now with every subsequent Yoshi, Yoshi game it's kind of like this sort of goofy silliness that Tataka really brings to the table it's interesting because Asuka Oda I always think of that whistle style so much in Mario Kart but she didn't even do uh, Double Dash Double Dash was Shinobu Tanaka and Kenta Nagata so I don't know that 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 whole style yeah, you know sometimes I, I get Asuka Oda and Shinobu Tanaka mixed up because I, I think they have a that. lot of similarities like uh, the There was a period of time Marty and I were sort of debating whether that bonus stage from Mario Sunshine, you know, 
known as the Sandbird, whether that was Shinobu Tanaka or Koji Kondo. And I was saying that it was possible it was Shinobu Tanaka because it reminded me of the underwater theme from New Super Mario Brothers. But when I looked into it, it's like, <laughs> nope. yeah, they are similar, but the New Super Mario Brothers underwater is by Asuka Oda. Sure. So it's kind of that, I don't know, that interesting thing where they, they all share so much with each other. And I mean, the mm-hmm. fact that these composers, you know, they're not like composing from home all over the world. You know, they, they go right. into the same building and all work on music. And so I think a lot of that stuff, that influence is just kind of cross-pollinating. Well, now we're going to move on to another Animal Crossing game. This is Animal Crossing Wild World. And this was, uh, he, he worked on this one with Asuka Oda. This came out in 2005. Let's take a listen to The Roost. You guys are listening to The Roost from Animal Crossing Wild World. This came out for the DS in 2005. This is a very simple and beautiful track. One of the kind of pieces of music that really speaks for itself. Uh, you know, you could talk about it. You could talk about the samples and the melody, but really, it's just an effective piece of video game music that. I'm pretty sure uh, he actually wrote this on guitar because I think I've so. seen footage seen of him too, playing yeah. some of you know the Animal Crossing music on the guitar, which makes sense, just sort of the style of those arpeggios and everything. He's such a He's such a lovable man, isn't he? Well, now we're going to move on to the Wii era. And if you remember up top, we played the wonderful Wii Shop Channel music. And this is maybe the next in line of just absolutely classic pieces of music in that era. Everybody played this because this is from Wii Sports. He did the music for Wii Sports. We're going to start off with the main theme from a game that probably almost every one of our listeners has heard before. Let's take a listen. Now, this is what I was alluding to earlier. Doesn't this remind you guys of the world he established in Wave Race 64? That really fun, I guess cheesy, over-the-top jazz fusion with catchy melodies. Dude, I like it even more. I mean, I, I do think, too. Honestly, this is better than the Wave Race music. I mean, the I think melodic so clarity here. I, I love the choice of instruments, but the melodic clarity is so great. I mean, there's all these themes. As a theme, is so classic. I love how jazzy it is. 
I don't know, it's it's crazy how nostalgic I am for this piece. I still think of the Wii as kind of a new console, but really, like, wow, so many memories attached to this. This is really a turning point in kind of culture, I feel like. The Wii was such a phenomenon. It really was. Sold, like, over 100 million units. Uh, you know, Ryo Nagamatsu went on to do Wii Sports Resort, um, which he did a wonderful job kind of continuing this style. Um, but this is so good. We're going to play... And kind of arranging these themes and melodies. Sure. Sure, we're going to play one more track from Wii Sports. This is one of my favorites. This is Tennis Results. fun era this was you know and this music really perfectly captures kind of the spirit that nintendo was trying to capture with the wii it's so family friendly but it is something that everybody can enjoy and when i think about this music that's really what it is uh it's simple and the melodies are something that everyone can hum along but there's a little bit more complexity here you know it's not this one is not goofy this soundtrack is not goofy at all he's taking this seriously here you know really good chords well, that's what i'm saying it's like i, I don't I don't think those goofy things, they're not a mistake. It's like, that, no, that's no. a clear choice for those types of games. But, I mean, he's a brilliant composer, and he has so much control, because writing melodies like that, it's not easy. They're crafted, they're specific. It's like, I don't know, he has one of the best melodic gifts. Such a consistent sense of melody, too. You know, the fact that he's sure. still, to this day, able to write such outstanding melodies. I mean, I, I really, he should write pop music. I mean, this track in particular just feels like be so great. He might. <laughs> well, again, you know, we have some of these gaps now here because then he takes a four-year break before his next game, which is Escape, which is a kind of a reimagining of that X game that we started off with, um, you know, for the Game Boy. So he does that. And then um, he does... Uh, Wii Sports Club, which we'll just say right now, we're going to play you guys out with the main theme of Wii Sports Club, which is a nice reimagining of, of the theme he came up with with, with Wii Sports. But uh, the last thing we're going to play today is another Wii piece of music. This is the Me Channel, another piece of music that everybody heard if you owned a Wii. A little bit of me to go with your Wii. Let's take a listen to Me Channel.
man, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, uh, you're, you're, you know, I can't help you. Guys, we had an absolute blast exploring the music of Kazumi Tataka. It's a long time coming. Uh, we love doing these composer spotlights, and it works out well for Nintendo Month. You know, we had three episodes that were about series, and now we get to do a composer spotlight. So I had a blast. Yeah, I mean... He's one of my favorites. Uh, I have so much respect and love for him and his music, and I really hope he keeps composing for Nintendo because I just Me too. Uh, eagerly await the next awesome melody. And like I said, a little bit of a hint, uh, we're going to have one track in next week's topic, so I wonder what that could be. <laughs> Some of you may know. We can't wait for next week, especially me. I'm really, really excited. I'm excited to maybe introduce Will to some of the, the music that he may not have heard yet for next week. And it's going to be a wonderful episode, closing off Nintendo Month in style. We've had a great time this month so far. want to give you guys a little bit of a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We recently uploaded the entire video of our panel from Gamers Rhapsody. So if you're interested in hearing about the history of video game music, all three of the Mercado brothers uh, are on that. So yeah, check that out. You can also check out our website in which you can find every episode of this show as well as our original music. Guys, this has been fun. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Peace out.